Hey, anything big going on? Yeah, I started a new job. Really? Where yeah. At? Yeah, uh, just down the road. And I have four monitors. Awesome. What happened in your old job? Get fired? Mm, nope. Too boring. Working with old stuff. Uh, People was nice, though. This is Control Structure Episode 4 for December 11th, 2012. A Public Hazard, with guest Christopher Thompson and host Andrew Bailey. And now with snoring on the Richter scale. new technologies do you work with now uh i work with something called demandware it's uh an e-commerce platform you don't say yeah by the way uh this is andrew bailey and uh this is uh my guest uh, christopher thompson hello there yep uh me and chris go back uh, a little ways uh like we were roommates in college together uh, for like a year or so. And a year long than it was. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it was, uh, better than the other apartment that I was in. That was true. Anyways, uh, so yeah, I took a picture of some of my monitors, uh, and put it up on my blog. Uh, so I just, you know, pretty much made a post about, you know... Uh, self-vanity, if you will, uh, did that. And apparently Ryan was so inspired by that that, you know, he noticed how consistent the sizes of my monitors were, uh, all four of them being 24-inch, that uh, he said, hey, you'd be really surprised at the inconsistency of my monitors. So uh, he uh, pretty much did the same with his monitors. Yep. Very inconsistent size, but I suppose I can't complain. I have a 32-inch TV for one of my monitors and a 19-inch monitor for my other one. Yeah, you you had mentioned uh, getting that uh, TV rather recently. So how's yep. that work? How's that working out for you? It's working out pretty good, except for the screen's so big. It's almost 800 by 600. Yeah. Makes great for playing games, but yeah, it's right up in your face. Yep. So yeah, uh, at least uh, you know, uh, along in the, that picture of mine, you can see uh, my tower, if you will. It's sort of like an oversized bread box with a handle on it, and that's you know the CPU hard drive. You know, that's my computer there. What What are the other two towers? The other two towers. In the background. Uh, well, one of them's my stereo. Um, and then, like, way over on the side, you can see, uh, like, a stack of old, really old computers. But, uh, 
anyways, uh, you know, I did that. I, you know, built that uh, machine in that case so I could take it to land parties. And I sort of quickly found out that 24-inch monitors were sort of on the high end of, you know, sort of portable, but not really. 32, uh, you know, was pretty much uh, off the off the charts for me. So. Yeah, I remember you trying to haul those monitors to land parties. Uh, yeah, those are good times. Yeah, and if I recall correctly, there was still somebody who brought a bigger monitor than you. Uh, I don't recall what his name was, though. Oh, well. Yep. So, no doubt someone I probably don't talk to anymore. But, uh... Yep. So, yeah, anyways, uh, my new job is uh, kind of working out. I've... this Today was my second day. That's cool. So, uh, for the moment, I've just been, you know, going through, uh, you know, sort of boring, uh, like, hours-long webinars of just the broad overview of the system yeah uh, i always hate those yeah it's nothing really uh specific in like the part of coding wise but you know like just what you can do so mm. and i think it was because i took a benadryl this morning that i almost fell asleep a few times today <laughs> <laughs> so uh whenever i could uh you know i'd uh, brought also brought in my headphones along with those two big monitors and like some other stuff so it really looks like I've moved in there uh, but yeah anyways whenever I could I you know listen to chip tunes they uh, you know have that really energizing sound to them that sort of you know perks me right up <laughs> so anyways cool. uh, mind if I ask you some questions sure Uh, state your name, age, and education, please. Christopher Thompson, 24, um, computer science bachelor. Great. Uh, what got you into technology? Um, probably the fact that I can't hear anything, so I can read everything. Hmm. Like, uh... Uh, like anything in particular that uh, got you into computers at a young age? No, not really. Besides games. Yeah, that seems to be uh, everyone's story almost. Yeah. Uh, except for Ryan, he hates games. As really? It yes, as it turns out. Huh. So, so. That rare breed of computer scientist. Yep. Though oddly, everybody I work with is hates video games. Then again, everybody I work with is Indian. Yep. So, uh, sort of speaking of, uh, what uh, uh, technolo technological tools do you work with, either personally or professionally? I work with mostly SQL Server and .NET stuff. So, Visual Studio and all that? Visual Studio and all that. I also happen to be a Microsoft Office expert at my office because, well, I'm the go-to guy if you need anything done. So you're not only the database administrator, administrator you're also partly help desk. Yep. Yeah. And I'm also partly 
R&D. Yep. So, which uh, sort of reminded me that uh, at my other job that I just left, there was uh, a lady that uh, sat next to me that she was always breaking her sh- machine. And, uh, you know, that sort of gave me a break from programming all the time, which, you know, at a point I sort of enjoyed just because it was something different. Hmm. So, uh, what are you most proud of? What am I most proud of? Mm-hmm. Besides the fact that I can get away with doing two hours less of work every day, I'm probably proud that I survived having Andrew as a roommate. <laughs> Man, the guy snores so loud. My other roommate thought there was a lawnmower going on at night. Yeah, apparently I can, uh, you know, almost make a noise so loud it registers on the Richter scale. <laughs> yep, that was a very hilarious night. I'm surprised we didn't have any cops showing up telling us to turn down their stereo. <laughs> yeah, and then and then between that and you kicking the wall at night. Yeah, oddly, every single roommate I have still complains about that. wasn't a very big news week as far as computer science goes, but, uh, well, at least there's a few things to talk about. So, you know VLC? Yes, I do. That free... Media media player. Yeah, that does pretty much everything. Uh, Apparently, uh, a few of the team members on VLC want to port it to Windows Phone 8. So they've started... a Kickstarter, I believe it's on the Kickstarter UK, since it seems like it's in uh, pounds. Uh, and it, I'm not sure if they're going to make it or not. Uh, uh, it's well, like almost 18,500 pounds to 40,000 pounds, and they have 17 days to go. So. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure eventually they will get this developed, whether they reach that Kickstarter or not, it's a different question. Yeah, I'm not sure how the uh, like the certification fees for the uh, Windows 8 store are, uh, but I I seem to recall that the VLC is also on iPad as well, so hmm. who knows? Yep. What you money, think? money, money make the world go round. Yep. Thinking your passwords are safe? Nah. 
Windows passwords can typically be brute forced within six hours now. Yeah, uh, that is if you have about 25 graphics cards to do it with. Ah, uh, yeah. But considering Windows, it frees up after the fourth guess. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so this uh, story here on uh, RS Technica that uh, it says, like, the typical uh, Windows domain password consist consisting of eight characters with both upper and lowercase numbers and uh, symbols uh, can be cracked by a 25 GPU cluster uh, in about five and a half hours. That's pretty impressive, especially since it's doing 350 billion guesses per second. Yeah, so the, uh, the leverage the power of parallelism in that. So yep. it looks like it uh, uses a Linux-based GPU cluster with a virtual OpenCL platform. So that's interesting. Yep. Better start making your passwords 20 characters long. Yep. So, anyways, uh, Richard Stallman, the uh, Taliban of open source, uh, strikes yet again. Uh, now he blasts uh, Ubuntu, of all things, and calling it spyware. Uh, because the, uh, I believe it might be this version of Ubuntu or the next version. Uh, I think this version. Okay, uh, because it uh, sends off uh, search queries that you do on the desktop, it fires it off to Amazon, uh, because apparently like, there's this unified search in Ubuntu now that searches both local and uh, remote uh, data sources for whatever you typed in. Hmm. That's pretty interesting. Now, what are they going to do about what are they going to do about it in the next version? Uh, I think I came across uh, something else today that, uh, like, it would, uh, like, the next logical step would be like uh, one-click buying straight from your desktop. Ooh, watch out, people who have credit card problems. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, no wonder we're going in debt so fast. Uh, well, you think the uh, U.S. government uh, uses Amazon like that? <laughs> <laughs> I think they use bulk buying. <laughs> Maybe a little bit too much bulk buying, but... Uh, yep. So, uh, anyways. Uh, if he doesn't uh, like that, uh, maybe you should try uh, a distribution with the new Linux 3.7 kernel, uh, which was just released recently. What's that about? Uh, it's the uh, the latest Linux kernel. Uh, uh, apparently, there's a lot of ARM support, uh, improved multi-platform support, and 64-bit ARM as well, uh, ARM V8. So now you can have 64-bit computing in uh, like a really small, efficient architecture. Mm, that's pretty cool. So not the kind of kernel that you make popcorn with? I'm afraid not. Oh. This is the kind of kernels that, you know, control drive and network access and stuff. So, along with uh, experimental SMB2 protocol support. So. Hmm. 4.0, if I'm correct. Uh, yes, uh, Samba version 4.0 has been released. 
this is uh, they, this has been in development for years. Uh, seems like uh, uh, now it seems like Samba is uh, the first free implementation of a Windows Active Directory server. So like a Windows domain, apparently you can uh, you know have one of those for free instead of shelling out you know hundreds if not thousands of dollars uh, for a Windows server license. Well, if it took them 10 years to make it, I sure hope it's better than Duke Nukem forever. <laughs> God, yeah. The disaster. Yeah. Uh, although I think Duke Nukem Forever was still in development hell for uh, longer. Probably. Yep. I believe I uh, like this next one here. Uh, the best protocol ever. Uh, it doesn't seem like uh, Microsoft uh, used this any. Uh I came across this a little while back about uh, like how protocols should be specified. Ah, this one. Yeah. You mean like, oh, really? Yeah, it's uh, pretty much uh, like HTTP and uh, lol code, it seems like. Although it would be awesome if uh, like HTTP 2.0 would pretty much use this. Yeah, but I think some of these need to be changed, like cheeseburger. Because unless if you actually know the reference, it doesn't make sense. But then again, there's a HTTP, so the people using this will know the reference. Yeah, uh, at least uh, the people who actually care enough to dig down this far. Yep. Uh, because uh, the internet is a series of tubes and lolcats. Yes, it is. It's not a big dump truck anymore. Nope, unfortunately. Um, recent news, AMD reduced orders with Global Foundries. Do you know what that's about? Uh, yeah. So, apparently, AMD's sales are kind of been down, uh, because they haven't been uh, competing as well with Intel. So, uh, like, they've decided to reduce orders with, uh, Global Foundries, uh, you know, because they don't want that much stock on hand. Uh, unfortunately, it seems like they're... Uh, need to pay a penalty on the contract, but in the end, it still ends up cheaper for them. Well, it's just cheaper. That penalty is $320 million. Yep. That's one heck of a penalty. Yeah, and uh, you know, if you remember, Global Foundries was actually the manufacturing uh, part of AMD. So... In a way, it's kind of, you know, reducing orders with itself. And, yes, it is. And uh, I, I, I remember that it was this way uh, a few years ago. And uh, last I heard, it still is, uh, that uh, the, uh, their graphics chips are still being produced by uh, TSMC, uh, the, uh, the foundry over in Taiwan that's, you know, always produced ATI chips. Uh, they're still producing their Radeon chips instead of Global Foundries. Uh, at least the standalone GPUs, not the APUs. I think the APUs are now with Global Foundries, but a uh, little interesting there. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of, uh, with that in Moore's Law, uh, ARM thinks that efficiency will become more important uh, than x86's performance, uh, this is, you know, if you uh, remember ARM, that's the uh, architecture that uh, drives a lot of cell phone processors. 
you know, they're pretty much in pretty much every smartphone there is. And uh, this guy is arguing, you know, the future is all about efficiency, not a performance. Ah, uh, I think you still need quite a bit of performance. Yeah. Because uh, if it, sure, sure, the efficiency may take an hour, but if you could perform and have less efficiency, it could take 10 minutes. Yep. Uh, uh, speaking of, uh, in order to keep ARM at bay, uh, Intel has released a few Atom CPUs uh, for servers uh, featuring uh, x86-64, uh, that's the 64-bit stuff, uh, error correcting code and virtualization support. So, And they're targeting uh, Facebook and other companies with really big servers. <laughs> Uh, this is, you know, Atoms are sort of the, uh, you know, Intel's CPUs that, you know, uh, they want to position them to go head-to-head against ARM. And uh, ARM is looking to also go into servers. So uh, Intel just wants to beat them to the punch so that they can, you know, continue their uh, domination of the server market. Mm. And I think that this is pretty good. I mean, you know, virtualization support on an ARM CPU... Uh, that sort of interests me, uh, especially if it it's if it's in a six watt uh power or a heat envelope. Yep, world first six watt server class processor. So and they say they'll be able to fit one thousand nodes on a single rack. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That password crackers might be in a little bit of competition now. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but that might be, uh, something that a, uh, not so energy efficient processor might excel at. Uh, I believe it, that's in that Ars Technica article. If you scroll down that, uh, like there's a graph, uh, Atom versus Xeon, uh, Xeon being their, you know, server class CPU that, uh, in sort of light web workloads, uh, that, you know, ARM and other, uh, Atom and other uh, efficient CPUs uh, are better at doing that than big Xeon CPUs. But for other workloads that demand really intensive performance, that uh, the Xeon is better. So true. Well, the Xeon has had more time and more thought into building a very competitive, intensive load distribution. Yep. Well, next ITU. The International Telecommunications Union. Yeah. Apparently there was a proposal and the negotiators were really irritated that they didn't receive a copy. Yeah, this is uh, out of Dubai. The, uh, the internet, the, uh, what's it called? The uh, WICKET, the World Communications something conference. Uh, going over in Dubai, that is going to end this Friday. I haven't really heard uh, much coming out of it uh, this past week except for this, uh, that there's this proposal coming out that they want to take control of the DNS system, uh, the domain names and such, and uh, hand control over this to the governments. Oh, great. There goes all the fun names. Yeah, but, you know, all the other fun names like TV, FM, and uh, UK, like all those are pretty much owned by governments anyway. So, you know, the classic dot-coms, you know, that's still owned by uh, VeriSign. 
Hmm. And stuff. Well, so. we'll be interesting to see what happens. So, start racking in a few domains if you're scared. <laughs> yep. So, in a sort of ongoing series on this podcast about uh, running uh, web servers on a Raspberry Pi, uh, you know, that little computer that costs like 35 bucks. Oh, uh, um, yeah. A pie. Yeah. Um, there's uh, a few benchmarks came out uh, over the past week uh, showing uh, various benchmarks of a few web servers like Apache, Nginx, uh, Lite, TPD, and uh, leave Monkey HTTP, which is a server I've never heard of before. Uh, looks, have I. Uh, but it looks like Nginx is uh, overall the fastest uh, yeah. on a Raspberry Pi. But you have to go through and actually compare what type of load you're doing, because then, like, small PNG transfer, Monkey's better. Yep. So pretty, oh. mu- uh, pretty much like uh, those three were in uh, hot competition, except, yep. for, except for Apache. But I think Apache actually won was ahead in one of those benchmarks. Yeah, I believe it was, too. So. Huh. so, have you seen the teardown of the IBM hard drive? Yes, I have. I have an old person, at, an old co-worker of mine who talks about these hard drives all the time and how he used to actually work with them. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, this uh, one might, uh, because he's from Australia, he uh, got a hold of one of these hard drives uh, that back in the day uh, was upwards of $100,000. And it looks like this thing was from 1990, 1991 or so. And he just tears it down. This thing is really heavy. He said it was like 85 pounds. Yep, and it stored the grand total of one to two gigabytes. Uh, let's see, this drive, which are, well, that's what he said on the uh, video. Yep. Uh, but uh, let's see, it looks like one uh, 3390 uh, model uh, capable of storing up to six drives uh, for a total capacity of 22.7 gigabytes. Wow. I think I have a flash drive bigger than that. Oh, yeah, I have, like, two of those floating around. But, uh, yeah. He, uh, he unfortunately wasn't able to power it up or anything, but uh, he takes oh, out... that would have been sweet. Yeah, he took out some of the, uh, the head actuators and hooked it up to a sine wave generator. And, you know, you could actually see it moving back and forth with the, uh, the like, the one hertz sine wave. But... Yeah, that was pretty cool. So, uh, speaking of IBM, uh, going forward, uh, they have started to manufacture uh, processors based on optical uh, optical effects. That's uh, they're starting to make CPUs that run on you know lasers and stuff rather than electricity, allowing uh, multiple terabyte per second transfers between individual system components and remote systems. Uh, you know miles and miles away. That's pretty impressive. Combine that with fiber optics. Man. Definitely. So, you know, you could uh, transfer those 22 gigabytes really, really fast. 
Yes, but the question is, what could you possibly need to transfer that much data from your home computer? Well, maybe if you come back and ask that in hmm, 30 years... Uh, yeah, I guess that's true, because initially we thought one gigabyte, nobody would be able to use that much. <laughs> now you can't even store a movie. Right. Well, I guess you can, depending on what file format you use. Yeah, but, uh, you know, this could, you know, have immediate applications right now, especially in, uh, like, undersea transports, you know, like fiber optic cables that go across the ocean. Yep. So, and, you know, again, back when, you know, got a 40 gigabyte hard drive, and I was like, yay, this is so big. Now my music collection is bigger than 40 gigabytes. Yep, I remember when I got the school laptop of 120 gigabytes, largest hard drive I've ever seen. Yep. Well, I'm looking forward to the first terabyte game, video game that comes out. Yeah, that would be uh, awesome. Unfortunately, the uh, consoles would have to uh, catch up a little bit with that, too. Yes, it would. But at least they're making some pretty good headway in 3D. Anyways, uh, speaking about, you know, optical transports and stuff, you know what I hate? What do you hate? I hate YouTube, because... It's okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've, you know, said multiple times, but I'll just reiterate again, I have, uh, Fios, uh, you know, this connection can transmit over 50 megabits per second. And YouTube can't even push 1080p uh, in real time uh, to me. Uh, it's gotten so bad that I don't even try uh, to view anything in 1080p. Uh, I just go to 720p and hope for the best. Uh, sometimes it can't even do that. I have noticed that problem a little bit with YouTube. So, you're not the only person out there. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, I just thought it was my internet connection because earlier, when we were trying to set this up, I couldn't even connect to Skype. Yeah. That was fun. Yep, and uh, then you realize, oh, it was like your firewall and antivirus or something. Yep. That's uh, anti antivirus firewalls. So, but uh, yeah, YouTube needs to upgrade their infrastructure a little bit. So. Yep. I mean, I'm not even sure if YouTube is profitable for Google yet or not. 
I do not know, but it is still fairly... I'm, I'm actually starting to hate the ads a lot now. Ads here, ads there. Uh, I'm, I'm generally okay with ads. I just, you know, hit the mute button, tab away for like 30 seconds or whatever, and come back. I might so. have to start doing that. But you know another thing that I find absolutely annoying? What's that? The fact that most places that you can upload pictures say... Don't include, don't share your personal information, blah blah blah. But then they ask if you want to attach locations. Sometimes they just do it automatically. Oh, you uh, have some experience with this? Oh yeah, Facebook. I I try not to give away my location, but it automatically sets that I I live in Kentucky. Voila! Now everybody knows. <laughs> And Except also, whenever I take pictures on my Google phone, it automatically attaches the location and uploads it to my Google+. Plus. So, except that you don't live in Kentucky, so... Nope, I joke. don't live in Kentucky anymore. Haha. <laughs> so, joke's on them. Yep. So... And have you seen or heard about Apple's Maps? Uh, yeah, they're, like, really crap. Yep. So somebody described it to me. Take take the globe and smash it. It's still better than Apple's Maps. Uh, let's see. Which uh, uh, makes which reminds me, uh, I wanted to uh, put in a lol Apple section here, but I forgot what it was. And lol Apple. Yes, a uh, you know a new part of the news I'm starting up that uh, you know since you know Apple is just this you know high and mighty company that uh, you know a lot of people seem like they would die for this company. You know, I just want to take it down a notch or so. Uh, I see what you mean. So this is this week's installment of LOL Apple. Have, have, have you seen the Apple's upgrade kits? No. They uh, include A, a sledgehammer, and B, a checkbook. <laughs> so, uh, you uh, mentioning the uh, iOS 6 maps. Uh, apparently, uh, the Maps app is uh, a now deemed a public hazard in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yes. So, um, this is after, uh, some travelers got stranded out in the middle of nowhere in some, uh, park, uh, Murray Sunset National Park, a vast area of 6,000 square kilometers. Uh, they were trying to find this one, uh, town called Mildura, and, you know, Apple Maps just led them out into the middle of nowhere, and it looks like they were stranded for, like, over a day or something. Uh, they didn't really have food and water, and it looks like they might have ran out of gas or something. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, if you ask them, it was like, well, we're going to this town, there has to be gas there, but they weren't going to a town. So, yeah, this, you know, Apple just lied to them. <laughs> uh, I wonder how they're going to fix that. Um... Well, uh, apparently, uh, let's see, 
Uh, a statement on the Victoria Police website has officially decreed Apple's contribution to the navigation world untrustworthy. <laughs> so, um, and the police also confirmed in their statement that how to get there is not exactly easy to get lost. Yeah. So that's uh, that's something. That's hilarious. Yep. So, anyways, uh, I have a story to tell you. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I have a server here in my apartment. And, you know, sometimes I need to SSH into that. And, uh, see, it was sometime earlier this year that I realized that, uh, you know, I open up Putty. And uh, whenever I needed to, you know, scroll down something or otherwise cause, like, a, a lot of data transmission to come back and forth, that, uh, you know, it would, the connection would just, excuse me, that the connection would just drop out, that it would disconnect saying that, like, the server or the software caused a network abort or something. If that wasn't bad enough, I decided, hey, I have this Linux virtual machine on my desktop. Uh, why don't I try it through there instead, only to come up with the same problem of it just randomly disconnecting. Uh, so I go over to work, and uh, it worked fine there because it was on Windows XP. And now at my new job, we're all on Windows 7, thank goodness. theres uh, I don't think there's really any XP there that I know of. That's good. Let's hope not. Um, so you know, I have this problem again. That's a really big issue. And I finally figured it out that uh, I was using a non-standard port, which is sort of a good thing, because uh, like the standard SSH port is, I think, port 22. Uh, but if you use SSH on another port beside that, you're all of a sudden not low-hanging fruit anymore. Like, they're, like the bots that come and try to hack into your server don't know what port your SSH is on, or even if you have it running. So they just, you know, go on to other, uh, you know, points of attack. That's good. I was running on port 21, which is really like the FTP port. <laughs> and I guess Windows 7 doesn't like uh, a lot of data flowing over port 21 or to port 21 on a remote system. And uh, it was just cutting me off. And I think maybe a Windows update caused this. Because I remember running Windows 7 and SSHing to port 21, and it was working fine. Uh, so then I discovered that at my new place, that the, uh, the firewall running there will let me pretty much connect to any port on any remote system. So I changed my port, and all of a sudden I don't have this problem anymore. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> You want to hear a funny thing that happened at work sometime earlier this year? Sure. Well, there I am at work, and suddenly the network goes down. Uh-oh. You want to know what the problem was? Someone plugged in an Ethernet cord improperly? Nope. A squirrel chewed through the cable. Really? Yeah. How long was it out? Oh, well, we left home early that day 
And the other strange thing, they evacuated the building. (laughs) (laughs) So where was a squirrel at? Was it, like, actually inside next to the power panel or something? Hey, Chris, you still there? Uh, Can you hear me now? Yep. I accidentally hit the mute button that I was playing with. Uh Uh-oh. But yeah, it got in and chewed that cable. So was this squirrel inside the building, or was it outside a ways? Um, I would safe to say it was inside the building. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did it cause any other damage? Uh, no, it just seemed to chew through a network cable. Hmm. So, I guess uh, the downtime was significantly lessened at that point. Yep. Yeah, because uh, if it was, like, out in the open, like, you'd probably need, like, building permits, traffic rerouting and stuff, and it'd probably take a few weeks. Yep. Well, it was only my building. The company itself did not go down. That's good. Yep. Anyways, uh, this podcast is always looking for guests. So, uh, on that note, thank you, Chris, for being my guest. Anytime. I actually enjoyed it a lot, so... Thanks. So, uh, if anyone wants to be my guest, uh, if you're listening and sort of know this material we're talking about, I'm talking to you. So, head to the-nexus.tv and click on the feedback link. And uh, you can also uh, go to that same place and leave us some feedback. You know, ask us a few questions, and uh, we'll answer them. Uh, I think this is the only podcast on the network that uh, does that, uh, because it seems like all the other podcasts that I listen to, uh, you know, have some sort of a Q&A. But uh, it seems like this is the only one on the on the Nexus that does this. So, anyways, uh, I am Andrew Bailey, your host. Uh, you can find me uh, on my blog at theandrewbailey.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash in slash theandrewbailey. So you can sort of tell that, uh, you know, with my new job, I'm in a completely new office and I have moved into a cubicle-free and dust-poor environment. Uh, all of a sudden... You know, I'm not coming into work and sneezing all the time. So my nose is clear. So where can we find you, Chris? What do you mean, where can you find me? Like, where can we find you online? Oh, uh, my website's currently down because my internet providers decided to block all incoming traffic, sort of. Ouch. Anyway, but I'm going to get it posted somewhere. But you can find me on LinkedIn. I have absolutely no idea where. If you talk to Andrew Bailey, I'll get him the information a little bit later. Certainly will do that. Let's see, your Thanksgiving was pretty good. I hear you went out to Utah. I did go up to Utah. Skiing was fantastic. Though it's a little bit late in the year to go repelling down a waterfall. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Very cold, and the sides of the were also starting to freeze. Ooh. Yep. But Thanksgiving feast was great, because this year we actually had it on Sunday. 
Oh, wow. Plenty of foods left in the store because we had it Sunday before Thanksgiving. Oh. Oh, you're being all fancy now. Yep. So, uh... So according to you and your family, there is a Black Monday, Black Tuesday, Black Wednesday, Black Thursday, and a Black Friday. Nope, just Black Friday, Black Saturday, Black Sunday. <laughs> Cyber Monday. Cause, cause, yep, because Amazon and Best Buy did Cyber Week. Yeah, they did, did. And did pretty much Black Thursday. The Walmart at my location actually was open Thursday for pre-sales. Uh, yeah, uh, the WalMarts that I drove past going to uh, going back home to Mount Vernon, uh, they were all packed. <laughs> you know, at this current rate, it's just going to be actually. On that note, New Egg had Black November. They did. So. Yeah, at this rate, it's just going to be sales all year, and then they're going to have sales for the sales. <laughs> yep, uh, seems like Steam is already doing that. Steam? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, uh, let's see, let's see what else there. Um, yeah, and then I uh, sent you my old graphics card, which you're just thrilled about. Oh, I'm absolutely happy about my old graphics card. I only played Skyrim on low settings with screwed up lighting and everything this one actually plays it on high settings and lighting works fantastic yeah I, I haven't even opened my assassin creed 3 game because i'm so interested in playing skyrim nice so yep. anyways uh you can find uh plenty of gaming news on our sister podcast 8-bit so and you can also Go ahead and listen to the Gadget Show. Uh, that is at the Nexus. So, I just started calling it the Gadget Show, and then Ryan and Matt started calling it the Big Gadget Show. So it all works out. Well, I guess that's just about it here. So, anything else? I got nothing else. All right. Been a ha- pleasure joining you. Thank you. You too. So have a good one. You too. <laughs> <laughs>